it's a fire. It's 100% natural. There is no controlling it. The second you think you're controlling it, you've already overcooked something or something right. hasn't even started cooking. Yet. Right. You know, it's this idea of like a raging fire doesn't cook anything. But a fire that's been broken down and is nothing but embers is the fire that we only want to work with. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm continuing part two of my conversation with Chef Daniel Sabia of the Woodfire Food Company. Just as the name suggests, they are an event company specializing in farm-to-table open-fire cooking. So cool. His ability to combine storytelling, fine food, and conversation has really helped him build a brand that is a feast for every sense. Today, though, we're diving in deeper to how Daniel shares his mission to create an army of brand advocates who share his passion for food and the connection that it brings. So let's dig in. Let's talk about your target audience while we're talking about marketing. Who are you attracting with Woodfire Food? Do you have an ideal client? Yes. Actually, we just had a meeting about this about two or three months ago. Because of the amount of inquiries received this year, I was able to literally break out into four individual sections, the type of clientele that come to us. Oh, I and love it. really sort of triangulate where we want to be focused. You created um, personas. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. Yeah. So the top grid is our CEOs and CFOs that are all in for the experience. They don't want to ask any questions. They're like, here's the check. You do right. what you do best. We are looking to have something we've never experienced before. Obviously, that's our top tier section. I mean, being a small business... And living in this is very sort of capitalistic world we live in. I'm from the understanding of like, without the big money, you can't have the small money. So you got to cohesively work with these people. And I've also realized that a lot of these guys that are in banking, in finance, in all of this stuff are the most salt of the earth people. And one of our first clients who's still one of our best clients to this day. He came to a couple of our public events. He works for Goldman Sachs and he asked me to do his wife's 40th birthday party. And I showed up and he walked out of the house with like a can of Budweiser and a rich Grateful Dead t-shirt and flip-flops <laughs> on. And, you know, we're at this $20, $30 million estate in the middle of Connecticut. And he's like, I don't really care about anybody that's coming here today. I just want to hang out with you guys all day long. I just want to cook. I want to taste. I want to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the end of the event, he was now inviting us back over so that he could cook and like cater us. And we have a lot of that clientele where the first thing that they do the second we step on site is ask if we're thirsty or if we want to drink or we want to like, they want to take care of us because of the experience that we deliver to them. Then right. you have your second tier. I always call it like the old money. Mm -hmm. It's not new money. It's old money. We're just the help. You know, I'm just the simple caterer and this is the, just the server and she doesn't have a name. <laughs> she gets called through that. Like those are the people that I don't interact with at all anymore. Then you have your dreamers. You have your dreamers. That's what I call them. They have high taste mentally, but fiscally they don't have it. These are the people that come to me with a full three-page Pinterest idea of what they want their event to be, but they have no concept of how much things cost. Right. So we don't really go near those people too, because if we become the bad people, I'm like, yeah, but this is what it costs. Like, this is just the normal, I'm not even trying to like upcharge. This is just what this costs to do. And then we have our blue collar, salt of the earth, highway worker, plumber, guys that just want to have a pig roast and want to have some beer and just hang out and anything that's on the menu that they can't pronounce. They're like, oh, that's fancy. But I don't want anything fancy. You know, and it's just like, well, no, it's just an onion. It's just, this is what the onion's called. They're like, just say it's an onion. Then. Yeah. You know, it's like, but very salty. They're very straightforward. But like, 
we do one event a year, maybe every two years for people like this, because it's like the wife's 50th birthday, or it's an anniversary or something very big and monumental, and they save up all year for it. And those are the people that we love, because we know how important it is to them. We make sure that we go over the top for them. I tend to go over the top more for the people that are, you know, it's celebration than anybody in between. Yeah. So these are our two wheelhouses. And I've also gotten it to the point because of the amount of inquiries that we got that we go through a screening process before anybody really gets to talk to me, where in fact, we're interviewing them. They're not interviewing us. Having that much business is a great problem to have. But when we're looking at this from a marketing perspective, here's a few things to consider. The way Daniel has broken down the different types of prospects he encounters, it allows him to tailor his offering. He will only take events if there's a tight match between the consumer and the unique way wood fire food can satisfy their need. Creating customer archetypes makes it really easy to say yes to the opportunities that are in alignment with your brand purpose and your offering. It really helps to focus and double down on where you should put all of your marketing energy and most importantly, where you shouldn't. You know, I first asked, how did you hear about us? What are you interested in? What brings you to this? Like all this stuff, we ask questions about palate tastes and, and what would be a perfect menu in your world for your event. The amount of times that I still get a pasta primavera station or pigs in a blanket or a caprese salad in the middle of January, it's every three events that come in. And I'm like, we're not interested. We are not the perfect fit for you. And then I send a list of caterers that are in the area that would better suit them. And the other big thing is what I didn't get to do a single public event this year. I did one at the end of the year because I wanted to do it to get reconnected. Our mission for this year is to block out our weekends for our high-end private events And then I can do six or seven public events throughout the tri-state area to get that connection back to the community. When you say public events, are you just explain what that is exactly? Sure. So a public event could be anything from our open fire cooking classes where, you know, you pay a ticket and you come in and it's a full experience from there to we do a collaboration with a distillery or a winery or a farm. And we set up a 50 to 100 person table and we sell tickets for it. And you and your wife or you and your husband can come in, purchase a ticket and get the same experience you would if you came to one of our private events. Got it. Has anybody really bombed the class so much that they were like, you know what, this is just too hard. I just want to drink wine and eat. So in full disclosure, I would tell you that 99% of the people that hire us to do the cooking classes don't actually cook at all. They just want to watch. See, I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm. Yeah, and they just want to watch. And it's fine because it's like, you know, we laugh about it, our staff, because <laughs> we're always just like, you What's just the paid, class like, part? Yeah, I'm like, well, you just paid $200 per person to just hang out with us. That's all you did. And you get to eat <laughs> at the end of it. You get to drink with us, tell stories. And it was the same sort of concept there. But me being in the mindset of running these corporate kitchens when I was in the hotels, I was like, okay, this is the salad station. This is this station. And you're going to work over here. And they're like, oh, no, no, I don't want to get dirty. I want to just watch, see how it goes. You know, I think people just realize that like, one, they're never going to set it up the way that we do it in their own backyard. Like you have mm-hmm. your grill enthusiasts, you have your guys and, and, and I show them everything I possibly could. I am an open book when it comes to our recipes, because if you can make it the same exact way we can, then you should be doing this on your own. This shouldn't be like a hobby for you. And anybody else who's going to take this, because we come from that restaurant mentality where it's like, oh, no, these are mine. It's mine, mine, mine. Right. Now I'm like, no, no. If you can do this, go do it. But I already know that like, I'm going to leave the next day and you're going to turn on your green egg 
and you're going to put a piece of steak on and you're going to use a salt that you purchased from us and a good olive oil that we told you to use. And you're like, oh, I just made a wood fire meal. Yeah. Great. Totally fine with me. So this year we're focusing on doing the cooking classes through the private events. Now we have our own property, which we just purchased at the end of this year, and we'll be hosting cooking classes for 30 or 40 people at our property where you can right. come up and you can spend the day and you're going to do them our way, not just this. Show up and just watch what we're doing. We're going to force you to pick up a knife, burn your fingers a little bit, taste, smell like a campfire by the time you leave, but really make it all inclusive and in very structured from there. I love that. There is only a one-time chance for what we do. It's something that I always tell the cooks is you have to treat the food like it's the only piece of food that's left on this planet because once we're on site, there is no backup refrigerator. There's no backup ingredients. This is everything. This is it. But right. the whole reality is, is that we have such an open kitchen because we want everybody to see everything, every issue, every flaw, because this is just a natural part of cooking. How do you get other people on board with your personal mission? Because I read on your site about your personal mission is to create and connect. And would you say that that's your brand purpose in terms of wood fire food being your brand? And then my second question is really about how do you get people to buy into this? Because I could see them being scared shitless and be like, I don't know if I want to cook for this guy. I'm all exposed. Yeah. I'll start with the second question first, because this year was like a clear indication that we had 18 employees this year in total. And I went through an entire, like pretty rigorous interview system of all of these cooks and, and front of the house people that were coming in. And I know right from the bat that like, if you're coming at me with this chef mentality, I have no interest in working with you. I'm leaving the kitchen world behind, the brigade system <laughs> behind. I'm leaving all of that behind. We are all equal in our company. Yes, I have my two managers. The only difference between you and them is that they have all the information. And that's about it. But a cook is a cook. And you're going to have to relearn how to cook when you come and work with us. Have to relearn how to talk to people and how to connect with people and tours that you make. And it's just about one, reading the room is the biggest thing. Seeing the clientele walk in, seeing what kind of people they are, what makes them comfortable, what doesn't make them comfortable, really processing the human element part of it. And then the food part of it is just like, be afraid, be terrified, because this way you're paying attention to everything. If you're super cool, calm, relaxed, you're yeah. going to make a million mistakes and I'm going to see every single one of them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Be afraid, because be terrified, be because then you pay attention. Exactly. And the whole idea of turning the knob to get the heat up doesn't exist. So it's like the fear. I'm like, this isn't cooking. I'm like, okay, build the fire up. Well, how do I build a fire? You do, and then it's a quick lesson. Everything that we do is very lesson driven where I came from that regimented brigade system where you were just made to feel like you were absolute dog shit if you made a mistake to now I'm like, I'm going to rip you down. I'm going to build you back up. And then we're going to learn a lesson right here and right now. And it's over. And then I'm not going to hold on to anything. And the day's going to keep right. going. And that's, that's the beauty of this transparency is like, this is why this is messed up. This is what we're going to do to fix it. This is why we're doing it. Okay, maybe we don't think the same. Yeah. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to do that. And the other big thing about us is that I want you to have your own ideas. I want you to have your own process. I want you to see how you can do it so it works best for you. As long as we arrive at the same point with the same sort of quality that we're looking for, there is no right way to do anything. It's a fire. It's 100% natural. There is no controlling it. The second you think you're controlling it, you've already overcooked something or something right. hasn't even started cooking yet. Right. You know, it's this idea of like a raging fire doesn't cook anything, but a fire that's been broken down and is nothing but embers is the fire that we only want to work with. 
making staff really and truly understand that it was always a very hard process and took me forever. And I still have a grill that sits in the back of my truck and it, it's literally, you know, 16 inches diameter and I'll just go and pop it up somewhere if I want to cook something because I still want to relearn how to do things. We took in CrossFit people, football players, people who have never stepped foot in a kitchen this year. Get out. Yeah, I was like, as long as you could lift between 50 and 80 pounds by yourself, you can have a job. You basically cultivated this band of, I just picture these cooking bandits. They don't have cooking experience before some of them. And you teach them along the way. And they have to have this love for learning. And also to your point about doing something that makes them feel wildly uncomfortable. I want a room full of thinkers. I want a room full of people that are better at stuff than I am, because that's the only way I'm ever going to learn anything and try to make sure everybody understands that process. And the other big thing is that staffing was never really an issue for us because this style of cooking and this company was an escape for a lot of people. It was an escape from the restaurant world and and their tired jobs. And it was escape from the nine to five to go do this on the weekends where they can be a part of something and be creative and just kind of learn something brand new, but actually see the process. Given everything you just heard, can you even imagine a job interview with Daniel? Flames everywhere, every ingredient on fire. But seriously, this is a classic example of being keenly aware of surrounding yourself with the right people. Classically trained chefs need not apply to wood fire food, but if you can flip a tractor tire in CrossFit, well, then this is the job for you. But really, the idea of being truly exposed and sometimes completely out of control seems to be the attraction to this type of cooking. There's a high degree of focus that live fire commands, and either you have what it takes or you just don't. Daniel's leadership style is similar to the way that he handles his food and even his marketing. It's all in the moment. And that is exactly why his social feed is a little window inside of the action because it's very authentic and it's someplace that you want to be too. That instant gratification is the biggest thing that restaurants lack from a cook side of things because you're just staring at a tiled wall and a ticket machine that's yelling at you all day long. Now you're watching people's eyes roll back the second they take a bite and they're going to walk over to you with this plate of food and they're like, what is this? I watched you cook this all day long. This does not taste how I thought it was. It's that instant, it just worked so hard to get to this. I have this person that's sitting in front of me that's literally giving me all the acceptance I need at that point. Because like any sort of art form, right, is an insanely insecure way to live because you put your entire life into it. You put every emotion into it. And when you display it for someone and one person out of 99 people don't like it, you only focus on that one person. You don't care about the other 98 people. It means nothing at that point. So to have that happen and really see the cooks evolve, and I've seen people grow, emotionally grow through this process. I've had staff that's been with me for three years. It's great to see that from start to finish. I started this company with $300 in my pocket. And we have never taken an investment. We've never borrowed any money. We have just put our heads down and we've worked insanely hard to get where we are today. And we were able to learn the entire time while it was happening. And that's, I think, that's why it's so gratifying. 
we are focusing on really this idea of being a platform for multiple different artists because being the spotlight can only gets you so far and it gets super lonely at some point when there's no one else really around you. But if you can lift up an entire community of people to help them, because I meet so many insanely talented people that don't have a voice, that don't have their purpose of what they want to do next. And being able to kind of welcome them in and give them that sort of support it has been really, really exciting and, and fun. And the learning process kind of going through that has been very gratifying. I started with six cinder blocks and a metro rack as a grill. And now I have an opportunity to actually build our own grill systems that you as a consumer can purchase. The fact that I was able to make every single one of our cooking apparatuses from scratch or meet welders or meet other people that could make things that I couldn't at that point in time so it's like, if you're insanely talented at this thing and we can connect and have a good energy with one another, we're looking forward to the same greater good, then come on board. Like I will sell your products through ours and vice versa. I think there's something insanely, and like I said before, it's like being in a room surrounded by people that are smarter than you. I want to maintain that concept. I want to move forward with that concept because it's gotten me the most in return, mentally, spiritually, fiscally. I mean, it's the simple fact that, you know, it started from one single car to now having a property with a team of almost 20 people. And we are diving into the real estate world next. And we are diving really heavily into the product world next. It's about growth, but it's also about doing it the right way and not yeah. just blowing up and not scaling accordingly because then it could all fall apart underneath you. Well done. You know, Nicole, my partner, I always say to people, she just knows exactly when to tell me to shut up. I could throw ideas all day long and she's like, that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. We're not doing that. Right. She always says, she goes, don't think about tomorrow's paycheck. Think about your paychecks 10 years from now. That's all you should be thinking about. Every process that you take should be about gratifying the next step to get to the larger goal, not just these small little individual goals that end up being more exhausting than the actual travel it takes to get to where you want. It's like giving back. Yeah, I mean, I just love this idea that you've not only created this experiential food journey for people that they can have, but now you're looking at it that you're creating a platform for your employees and all the artistic abilities that anybody who wants to be a part of this platform can be. To your point about photographers, people who do pottery, any kind of artisan that fits into your table. Yeah, I think you spend so much time on yourself, the shallowness can kind of take over after a while. But if you're able to lift a room full of people up and you can see every one of them finding their spot and then taking a step back and not being the center of attention, but letting all of everybody at the same level be the center of attention is great. And, and that's why I love traveling. I love being able to go to all the places that we're going to because I have so many independent connections now. We work with like almost 36 different farms at this point oh, wow. everywhere that we travel through. And it's all these artisans and vendors and florists and candle makers and things right. that like it was never a concept about food, but now it's what I focus on first because, and I hate to say it like this, but the food is the last thing I think about at this point in time. You right. know, I, I've spent so much of my life only focusing on food, but I forgot about the other part. I forgot about the experience part. The food is the connection to it. And obviously food is insanely important to us and a main staple of why we are who we are, but it's not what I live and breathe every day. I don't right. find inspiration from food anymore. I barely go out to eat anymore. I would rather just have a burger and a beer at a spot because I'm just like, I want simple. And I find inspiration from design, from architecture, from nature, from things like that. Right. Uh, and it's funny, we write our menus now with this simple idea of like, oh, we're just going to make enough you know, steak, peppers, and onions, and that's going to be the dish. 
but it's an amazing grass-fed dairy cow that we're using. And it's peppers that only grow at this farm at this time of year and onions that we bury in the coals and roast for 12 hours until they're like literally sugar. And then people eat it. We're approachable, but we're also educational. Right. That's the beauty of food. The notion of food being art is not new, but to use the act of event planning as a platform to feature other creators is something else entirely. With every event, Daniel is building a community around expression in whatever form that may take. I love this idea for a few reasons. First, he's creating this fluid environment of creativity and unexpected inspiration, both for the Woodfire Food staff and their guests. There's such power behind being around talented people and just feeding off of that energy. It's something that you can literally only do in real life. Zoom, I'm sorry, it just doesn't cut it. But the other parts that I'm thinking about from this conversation is the notion of just this raw authenticity of being vulnerable and transparent with your ideas in the way that Chef Daniel describes. Think about the last time you presented something you worked really hard on. There's probably so much of yourself in that thing. And then it makes the stakes feel really high. But really, what's the alternative? If we don't care about our output, then why are we bothering at all? What surprised you the most during this journey since 2018, you think? That we're still in business? (laughs) I love it. There were so many questions and so many fears still to this day, even as structured as we are, I still don't fully 100% know what I'm doing or how we're doing it or what we're doing it. But we've learned through every single event, the interactions I've had with all of these people and how I was so bad and still am to this day, I'm so bad at taking really the compliment because for me, I just love what I'm doing. I'm just happy to give you like a simple plate of food that's going to connect with us forever. And, and when you latch into people's memories, you become a part of their life. For instance, a snowball effect, right? A roasted chicken is a roasted chicken in all continents in the world. The spices are different. The process is different, but it's still a roasted chicken. And if you make a roasted chicken that's so simple and so good, anybody from any walk of life can connect to it. And it might remind them of their grandmother or their great aunt and their mom, whoever it is. And then every time they remember their past, we get connected to that and continue rolling forward into the future. And food has that power, like smell has that power. And that's insane. That's like terrifying to think that I have the amount of power to kind of do that and connect with people on so many different levels. You know, I still get messages or I see clients out from three years ago and they still stop me and thank me and they still talk about it, how they keep talking about it with their family and everything else. And for me, it's yeah. not about the accolades. It's not about the James Beard Awards or the Michelin stars or any of that. It's just crazy where one simple idea at a very dark and lonely point in my life turned into something that's bringing joy and happiness to so many others around. Isn't that amazing? What advice would you give brands who are product-based, but they want to create an experience for their own brand so people can learn more about them than just the product that they sell? What advice would you give them? I would say just don't edit your story. Just tell your story as is. Work insanely hard. 
kill yourself for what you believe in, not in the sense of put yourself into the ground, but pay attention to what's going on in the climate around you, pay attention to people's emotions and the clientele that you're working for. But most importantly, just be true to yourself and your idea, because the longevity of you has a lot to do with how much people really believe in what you're doing. In the United States right now, I think there's 200 separate open fire catering companies. I just want everybody to succeed with it because experiential dining should be the norm now. It shouldn't be where's the best new burger in town. Like it's just about telling a story with your guests all the way through. I think that should be all over the place. So instead of living this mentality of like, oh, this is my restaurant, I'm the best. It's like, no, no, we are the best in this area. We can all use the same people because if you're really focusing on a community-driven company, then you have to share all this information so every person in the community can live through it or thrive off of it. That's so great. It's a quintessential example of rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yep. All right, final question, Chef. It's a question I ask everybody. Because I always get such interesting answers. And I would like you to think about what would the headline be five years from now in a glowing feature story about wood fire food? As I said before, we are already kind of playing the end game at this point. Not the end game of like shutting the business down, but the end game of creating a hyper sustainable atmosphere where everything is as important from the products we use to the health and the mental health of our staff members everything plays a part in it. I want you to be able to work half the amount you used to work for the same money. I want you to be able to use the best absolute products. I want you to be able to experience or travel all over and meet all of these new people. But I also want to be able to kind of give back. I mean, this year, I just bought 2,600 trees to be replanted back into the Appalachian Trail. I think it's something where it's like, we're not a catering company. This is a lifestyle brand. And a lifestyle that I think a lot of people should live by, where you are turning to your community and you're turning to the people around you to get the best possible things that are from that area, to help these people feed their families while you're feeding yours, to really focus on this idea of home, the idea that you could create an atmosphere either through a single item, like our smoked olives or whatever it is, or through a private event you could be welcomed into a place that you already know, but we turn it into something that you've never really experienced before. And yet it feels so familiar and so normal that it's, you don't question it. The idea of home is forever accepted. Doesn't matter if you're high or low, doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, It's about feeling accepted no matter where you are. And especially in this hyper emotional climate that we're in right now, I think that's really what is needed is to let people know that it's okay. It's okay to have opinions and it's okay to talk about things and, and but do it with compassion and do it with this idea of nobody's wrong everybody just has a different way of sort of approaching things and i, I think just this concept is creating home i always say that everyone at the beginning of our events is like i just want to welcome you to an extension of my home that's all this has ever been was taking what i had as a kid and now i'm just traveling with it and bring it to you even though we've never met before by the time i'm done you will be forever right right I think that's amazing and special and you're clearly living your passion every single day. And I couldn't be happier to hear about your success and how you're just going gangbusters right now. Our next steps are about evolving our experiences and, and kind of creating them. Our plan in the next two to three years is to have about eight separate Airbnbs that are located all over the Hudson Valley and into Litchfield County, oh, cool. um, where they are branded and designed and facilitated by Wood Fire Food, where you can have the experience from start to finish. 
by going away with your spouse, or your partner, or going away with a group of friends. And if you want to have a private chef come in and cook you a meal one night, it's us. And if you want to have 12 people, you know, we could facilitate a small event from there, but also using those additions of our home as once again, platforms where the inside of these, each one of these buildings are all done by local artists. And you can pick up a picture off the wall or pick up a plate on the table and turn it over and there's a barcode and you can scan that barcode and you can purchase directly from these small artists in the area. So we're kind of doing our path of full experiential, you know, like pop-ups, but we're doing it as a house now. And when you eat a meal and pick up the same glass three days in a row, you become obsessed with it because now you can see it, feel it, touch it. You become connected to it. And then it's just another great way to like purchase items and, and kind of rotate that moving forward. So we're really looking to push our product line out there, really push the experiences, but really kind of define them for each individual event. But then also give the experience of what it would be like coming to my house for the weekend yeah. and what you should expect and the fresh baked bread on the counter and the coffee that gets toasted in town and brought to you directly. All these small little gestures that just make you feel like you're one step closer to feeling in your own place. I love it. You know, you look like this big, burly, bristly guy, but you're like, you know, you got like some heart in there, man. You're like a teddy bear. Yeah. I always say like, don't let the smoke in the beard fool you. There's a lot of emotion (laughs) attached to it. And it's exhausting how much I overly think things, but I don't think I really do it any other way at this point. My conversation with Chef Daniel has shown that when you use a brand purpose as the North Star for your business, you can attract the right employees and the right customers. Here's a few marketing takeaways to consider. Daniel has defined his ideal client, but also considered how to interact with other types of prospects who are attracted to his offering too. Having this insight really focuses your lead generation process, and it ensures that you create a cohesive on-brand message that goes across all prospects. Secondly, transparency is the key to everything Wood Fire Food does, including the way that they recruit and train their employees. Daniel's in-the-moment style is such a vibe, and that vibe shows up with his staff, his guests, and his Instagram feed is really no exception. It's the difference between talking about authenticity and living authentically in all facets of the business. I love that. And then third, Daniel's personal ethos of community building is core to Woodfire Foods' mission. They most certainly are not a catering company. They really are a lifestyle brand. They're a brand that wants to invite you in, give you a feast for all of your senses, and hopes you'll leave feeling cared for inspired, and ultimately connected to the human spirit. You can find this magical experience at www.woodfirefoodco.com. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. If you want to discuss how your company can take advantage of any of these marketing concepts I talked about, such as brand storytelling and purpose and values and mission, this is what I do every day. You can find my contact info on brandcrudo.com or the show notes. If you like what you heard, please follow the show, share it with a friend, and thanks again for listening.